Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Christ on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is uh, episode dun 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 101. <laughs> Yay, episode 101. Back to the fucking grind. <laughs> just an episode every week. Uh... Nothing said. Then again, the last week's episode, you know, ooh, the special 100. Yeah, I loaded up the <laughs> the fanfare shit. We talked about, yeah, man, we sucked when we started. We really sold people, I think, on this show by saying we're terrible. We did it, <laughs> we did it hammered. We had no idea what we were doing. We are, we are our best marketing, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're we're the only thing standing between us and success. And yeah. we are, we are an, an irresistible force standing in the way of us and success. Fuck uh. it, <laughs> fuck it. I just like coming down here every week and talking to you about comic books yeah. and comics TV <laughs> and genre stuff and complaining about things in the home office and all kinds of things. Is there something to complain about in the home office this week? There isn't. There's a glorious goddamn thing in the home office. It's uh, Amanda got me as a Christmas present. We we have in our living room uh, a fireplace and a big-ass cathedral ceiling like goes all the way up to the second floor. Because we're awesome. Uh, yes, of course. Yeah, we're we're. <laughs> what the fuck does that have to do with anything? I don't know. Because we're awesome. <laughs> okay, if that's the cost of a big ceiling, <laughs> fine. It's we're awesome. But the point is, it, it is just this expanse of gray. There was nothing there, and it's such a big wall trying to find something to put there. But Amanda did. She found it's got to be four and a half feet wide, at least, and and like two and a half, three feet tall. The horizontal poster of Batman Begins, of just an angry sky and Batman in silhouette. I think it's 40 by 60. It's big. It's big. Big is the point. Yeah. But yeah, it's got it in canvas, had it printed on canvas, so it looks classy and shit. And it's, <laughs> yeah, it's just Batman in silhouette with his angry sky and an understated bat signal. So the cool thing is, if you're a grown-up, and you walk into our house and sort of look over. It just sort of looks like, oh, kind of a skyscape with a man in silhouette. We could trick people <laughs> into not thinking that we're just complete and utter geeks. Until they look directly at it. Yeah. If you, and once you look at it and realize, oh, the bat signal. Oh, shit. That's Batman. That's, <laughs> that, that's, that's not just a sad man contemplating his mortality in the middle of a story. No, that's the Batman. <laughs> I'm clearly in the home of people in serious arrested development. And yeah. I should leave for my own fucking safety. But it looks cool. It does. It, it looks awesome. <laughs> but it's, it's just classy enough. We yeah. can we can trick a couple of the rubes. <laughs> if a neighbor comes by to get us to sign some kind of petition, they probably won't come back a second time with the police. <laughs> you now asking us, are there any children in the house? It's like, look at this place. There's two children in the house, and they're the ones with the money. No, nobody's coming here to visit us. And that's really for the for the best because <laughs> I'm not good with people. Really? Yeah. So I sit in my fucking basement every Sunday, and talk <laughs> comics with you, and pretend other people are listening. Aww. Yeah, I mean that was the the big thing th- this week. So it finally feels like the home office is coming together. Giant Batman. I don't really need anything else. I, th- I yeah. think we're all good. I agree with you. Well, I think it would be nice to have curtains. I don't know that the neighbors are fuck curtains. Keen people to see as much of us as they have. The, the neighbors will look at my junk, <laughs> and when we are not home, they will look at the Batman. <laughs> And they will purchase better and stronger locks for their own homes 
And maybe they can use their <laughs> curtains. <laughs> oh, it'd be nice if one or two of them started. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Our neighbors are real boner killers. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> Try not to look at anything like directly for too long. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a wise choice. But uh, So, yeah, why don't we get right into it? Because there, sure. there is still the question we mentioned last week of a potential bandwidth issue with our new provider. I think it'll be all right, <laughs> but well, why don't we just get right into things? So one thing I wanted to bring up, a big thing last week that was all speculation and nobody knew anything about it was the DC Rebirth announcement where after a whole bunch of rumored stories from Bleeding Cool that everything's going to be at DC renumbered to number one and that everything was going to be some kind of soft reboot and maybe everything back to before the new 52. Well, it's been a week and there's still no extra fucking new. We don't know a goddamn extra thing about it. Yeah, no. So yeah, it, the one thing we do have... And the only reason I want to bring it up is because there's a tiny bit of information that came out. So uh, I have a new theory about what it could be if it's not a complete soft reboot. Because part of me still wants to believe it's only been four years, you know, not even five years coming <laughs> since yeah. New 52. You, you can't just pull the plug on it no matter how badly <laughs> it's doing. <laughs> well, you could, but then it's just like, eh. <laughs> you could, but then it's like, all right, well, uh, four years investment in the DC new normal. Uh, how much money should I invest in this one? Right. I can't imagine it's going to be much more than, if it's going to be any line-wide thing, it's going to be like a renumbering, like, you know, all new Marvel. Yeah, okay. Where it's, okay, we're just going to continue things at least up to Secret Wars. But yeah, it's a new number one, and we'll try to do a couple stories for new readers. I could see that happening. But even then, part of me wants to believe, oh no, it just so happened there was this announcement about something called Rebirth that just happened to happen <laughs> at the same time these rumor stories came out from Bleeding Cool about some kind of reboot. So that's that's sort of what I'm holding on to, because mm. to me that would be glorious. If after all this is just, uh, no man, it's just this new thing over <laughs> That would be kind of great. Yeah. So in the absence of any hardcore knowledge, uh, we've got a few tweets uh, from Jeff Johns and Ethan Van Siver, both confirming that they're both involved in the project. Last week, my main theory was with that curtain in the picture that the Dio and Lee tweeted with the, the word rebirth over it. Mm. My theory at that point was that between that and the DC film announcements uh, from the special uh, with Jeff Johns and Kevin Smith from a couple weeks ago that Green Lantern was gonna, eventually going to be part of the Justice League and the DC Films okay. universe. My initial theory was, oh, this is just going to be a Green Lantern rebirth movie <laughs> with somebody other than Ryan Reynolds to try to make the thing actually palatable. I, I think palatable. he's all set with uh, Deadpool right now, I think. <laughs> he seems to be fine. Having watched his two cancer PSAs today. <laughs> Yeah, Deadpool told me to stick my hand in my pants and feel my balls. And, and also told me to, to feel myself up in various various ways. And <laughs> and, and it, it is much more pleasant to receive that message from Deadpool than it is to hear it from, say, a doctor or uh, your priest in a closet. Or to hear, oh, you have cancer. Well, yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. You got to take my priest molestation joke and turn it into a cancer <laughs> thing. Thanks. I'm a downer. <laughs> <laughs> I walked into that one. I walked into it, but... But yeah, it's thinking about it again this week, because again, with no information, we're geeks. We're just going to sit there and go, oh, no, maybe it's this. Yeah. Oh, shit, maybe. Right now, I think maybe it's an announcement for Johns and Van Siver on Batman Rebirth. Mm, okay. Because they were the creative team on Green Lantern Rebirth and Flash Rebirth. And last week, we were talking about you know the, the rumor was going around that Scott Snyder was leaving Batman for Detective Comics, mm. but it really was just a rumor uh, at that point, based on the stuff we'd read, Snyder had 
talked a lot about, oh, it's been great to work with Greg Capullo and I'm going to miss working with him, but he never said he was leaving the book and we knew Capullo was going off for at least six months to work on something else. Right. So there was no confirmation Scott Snyder was leaving Batman. Yeah, except it turns out last Saturday, Greg Capullo put out a tweet that I hadn't seen where he confirmed a fan's question of, are you both leaving? And he said, yeah, it's true. Uh So now we know that Scott Snyder's leaving the book. And in the Batman book right now, Bruce Wayne, he's trying to become Batman again after he lost all his memory of his parents' deaths Mm. uh, after uh, Endgame with the Joker. So, yeah, I mean, the concept of an existing hero coming back to to refill his his role, his shoes, his pants, his whatever, uh, after another person. His cod piece. Does Batman have a cod piece? I, I try know. not to look directly like Batman's junk. <laughs> the bat piece. I don't know. <laughs> I may I may have no choice now because I've got Batman four feet tall above our fucking fireplace. It's in silhouette. You're not going to be able to see anything. I'll be there with a jeweler's loop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a horrible fucking visual. That is a horrible visual. I don't want to come home and see that. I come home, I'm drunk. There's just beer bottles everywhere. I'm just glaring at Batman's crotch <laughs> in front of a roaring fire. I mean... Father, I shall become a perv. Jesus. <laughs> um, I mean, he's got the bat undies and some, some variations of the costume, but... <laughs> Bat undies. Is that the official name? <laughs> you know. Because <laughs> I have Batman boxer shorts. I don't refer to them as bat undies. <laughs> I refer to them as my private shame. <laughs> I, I would imagine there is some sort of at least um, athletic supporter underneath there. <laughs> <laughs> not me. I swing free and easy. Well, for Batman, though, I mean. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not fighting crime. <laughs> I'm rarely even trying to perpetrate it. I don't need I mean, that kind of support. It's not like, you know, Robin where he's wearing like friggin' dance pants, but. <laughs> <laughs> Dance pants, speedo. <laughs> yeah, he really set Robin up to, to fail on a lot of levels, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. But we'll talk a little bit more about that later with Grayson, because we're going to talk about Grayson. Yeah, this week's Grayson was a lot of fun, <laughs> but but we'll get to that. Not but, set up for failure. But So, yeah, it's with the Bruce Wayne just coming back to become Batman, that's sort of, yeah, the core of what these guys did with Green Lantern and Flash, so it's sort of... Yeah, sort of okay it's prime time for that kind of book to come forward um and yeah it's jeff johns right now is only writing justice league now his workload was weighed down supposedly because diane nelson after he got promoted to chief creative, uh, creative officer, officer yeah. said look you're an executive now you can't be spending all your time writing comic books we need you to do executive shit i don't know <laughs> i don't know what a chief creative officer does i don't either i don't I don't know that Joe Quesada did when he was, so. <laughs> I'm not convinced Joe Quesada knows now, but technically he's probably got the time because I don't think he was ever limited to you can only write one book, but what the fuck do I know? The people from DC don't return my calls. Yeah. For, I... for good reason. Because <laughs> it's like Dan DiDio. It's Rob again. Guess what underwear I'm wearing. Call me back. Do it quick. <laughs> I'd like to, to, to pitch you my story about dance pants. <laughs> But Dan, Dan, it's Rob. Look, this is 15 fucking phone calls. <laughs> Why won't you call me back? <laughs> Beginning to feel a little neglected. I'll put a jock underneath it, for Christ's sake, if, if you want me to have the support. Dan, don't ignore me, Dan! <laughs> <laughs> this is why I'm going to start using this as my intro. <laughs> now, put your hands together for the man who's falling apart before our eyes! Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll be here all week. Try the feel. I should have started drinking much earlier before the show this week. Are you okay, honey? I don't. 
I'm feeling a little edgy. You know what the problem is? I had about five pounds of dark chocolate covered <laughs> uh, coffee beans. You did about two hours ago, and, and I'm feeling a lot of tension across. Is, uh, is everything itchy across my jaw and my back <laughs> and my heart? <laughs> There's just something terrible happening in my body. And Should right, I have a defibrillator on standby? I feel like as I'm pouring the beer down down my throat, it's like when you pour water on a sauna. It's just like, no, this is we're not going. This isn't going to calm you down. You you got a serious fucking problem. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> so uh, the... I got a lot of energy, is what I'm saying. It's going to be an up show. Okay. Do, 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 do. So if your head explodes like in scanners in the middle of the show, what, I just keep going? I hit pause? Like, yeah, this is radio, baby. Pretend it's not happening. <laughs> Mute my microphone so the sound of you know blood weakly pumping out of my ears goes away and just you know, go on with the show. Okay. All right. Somebody was giving booze to these goddamn things. <laughs> but, what the hell were we talking about? Jeff Johns, maybe, taking over Batman, purely a rumor. Yes, that's right. We were talking about that. Tell me this whole beer and coffee bean thing isn't going to be like pouring Coca-Cola on like friggin' nerds uh, what <laughs> or it's Pop gonna, Rocks. What it's going to be is a massive explosion somewhere in the bathroom region at about 6.30 tomorrow morning. This well, can't be healthy. That's okay, because I'll be out of the house by then. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll try to time it that way. I may not sleep at all tonight. <laughs> all right, so... Jeff Johns, Ethan Van Syver, maybe <laughs> Batman, kind of makes sort of sense. Pure rumor, made it up off the top of my head. Would that be all right with you? I don't know. What Silver Age shit would Johns have left to mind that Grant Morrison didn't already kick around? That's the problem. Grant Morrison took care of all of it, so I'm not sure. <laughs> like, cause isn't that Jeff Johns' thing? Like, <laughs> oh, kind of. He definitely has sort of a, a joy for the Silver Age, but he also has a joy for taking characters and trying to rehab them. Which is not a thing you need to do with Batman. Well, that's just it. It like, didn't even take with vibe, for Christ's sake. <laughs> what rehabbing is there to do? If that at that point, if you're rehabbing Batman, aren't you sending the message that Scott Snyder took him in a completely the wrong direction, and we have to start over? No, and and that would not happen. Okay. That somebody somebody would have to be insane to do that. Scott, if there is a superstar writer at DC right now, it's Scott Snyder. I don't and disagree. Frankly, I'm just saying, like you know, the whole idea of rehabbing a character suggests to me that the storyline has gone in such so off the rails well, that somebody and, else has to come in and fix shit. And just because Jeff Johns likes to do that doesn't mean that's the only thing that he does. I mean, it, yeah, it's considering Scott Snyder's current status at DC and the fact that probably a third of the A-ish list writers at DC are his protégés, yeah. Gene Tinian the Fourth. Marguerite Bennett, there's one or two others anyway that he brought in. Yeah, he's not a guy you'd piss off by saying, okay, thanks, Scott. Uh, we're going to make this shit go away. <laughs> um, Mushroom cloud. I mean, my biggest concern is the one straight-up Batman book that I can think of from Jeff Johns that I've read is the first volume of Batman Earth One, and that doesn't fill me with a lot of hope. What happened in Batman Earth One, for those who may not have read it? Well, it's, first of all, let me give the caveat of Johnson's been writing Justice League since the New 52 started, so he has certainly been writing Batman in the current, in the current continuity. Yeah. So it's just, when it comes to solo Batman stories, this is the only one I can think of. Um, he, <laughs> and it's, it's not an issue. The issue that I have with Earth One is an issue he would have right now because Scott Snyder already staked out the Batman origin area with Zero Year. Mm. Um, because yeah, when it comes to Earth One, Jeff Johns fucked up Batman's origin. 
explain for those who may not have read it. Well, it was, <laughs> I'm going from memory here, but when it comes to the shooting of Bruce's parents, they had Bruce kind of, it wasn't fear. He demanded to leave the movie early and he talked shit to the guy who wound up doing the armed robbery. So he sort of, it's implied that it's his own fault for, being yeah, that he bunch. kind of brought it on himself. Uh, and the, yeah, the initial mission for Batman in Earth One is I'm going to find that guy. Okay. That I have less of a problem with because honestly, that kind of makes more sense. It makes, <laughs> Uh, this gets into various arguments about Batman's origin. I'm a fan of it should be a random criminal where it just happens from out of nowhere. And then, yes, Batman's mission should be this is not a thing that will happen to anybody else. Yeah. I'm going to fight against randomness. I'm going to try to apply my own control to my world and my universe to make sure this doesn't happen to anybody else. That's the Batman I like. Yeah, the sort of Batman who is who is created by the circumstances of Gotham. And in in return, imprints upon Gotham. It's a, it's a never-ending cycle. Exactly. And it's a problem I've always had with, you know, oh, it's Joe Chill that killed Batman. Or it's Jack Napier who killed yeah. Batman. Once it's, oh, it's that guy, it doesn't make any sense for Batman at any point to say, I'm going to fight crime in general. It's, your mission would be that guy. Right. You would be Bruce Wayne and Batman Begins with a gun in your pocket going, I'm going to shoot that prick. Yeah. Who sent the guy after me? So it's the combination of Bruce almost bringing it on himself uh, and the mission being, okay, I'm going to go get that guy. It doesn't really work for Batman for me. you know. And, and the idea of, oh, I did something to create this situation, that's a perfectly fine origin. Yeah. But that's Spider-Man's fucking origin. True. That's you true. Know, that's guilt <laughs> over the, a failure to stop somebody or a behavior, and it works perfectly well for Spider-Man. That ain't Batman. Right. So I didn't like it well enough. I didn't bother to get the second volume. Because, I mean, the good thing about the Earth One stuff is, oh, that's over there and that's out of continuity. And yeah. Frankly, maybe I'm not the target audience anyway because you're hoping to get somebody who's wandering through Barnes & Noble <laughs> if they can find a Barnes & Noble anymore. Yeah, I could safely ignore it when the second volume came out. That's valid. So, I, I don't know. If, if there's any validity to, to me guessing that, well, let's face it, Occam's Razor says the the obvious thing is, oh, shit, Bleeding Cool came out with these rumors. Well, we better get on top of it and do our thing out here. Yeah. So that it's probably some kind of soft reboot. But I think that there's a certain amount to be said for the theory. And I'm certainly going to talk about the theory, because if it's right, then <laughs> we look wicked smart. <laughs> I like to look smart. It happens Who very, doesn't? It happens so infrequently. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to look smart when, you know, you, you come home and you, you're found hovering over your giant canvas of Batman with a monocle looking for <laughs> <laughs> looking for Batwang. <laughs> I'm not looking for Batwang. I'm attempting to identify his underwear choices. Looking for Batwang. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's not the title of this week's show. Don't even write that one I down. I didn't. Okay. All right, the housing for the Batwang. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that either. That's a whole different... <laughs> We're going to get to a definition of Batcave that makes me fucking uncomfortable, and I'm not prepared for that at this point. <laughs> Have you met the Batmite? No. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. <laughs> you made it weird. You made it weirder than it, it had to did be. Did I make it weird? I did. You made it extremely <laughs> fucking weird. <laughs> uh, the Batmite. Yes, it's true. 
This man has no dick. <laughs> you made me say that about Batman, and you should feel ashamed. I'm sorry. <laughs> nah, actually, not. That. That's sorry. not Batman. This is Batman. For a $10 all you can eat testicle fest. That came out no. wrong, too. <laughs> Do you have any pet theories about rebirth? Or, I, I don't. All I know is that. Um, or am I the one spending entirely too much time trying to. Oh, interpret no. An image? You and m- much of the internet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, all I know is that in response to it, many of the other um, various writers and artists um, on on board with DC tweeted uh, re- retweeted Dan DiDio's tweet on Rebirth and re- reacted favorably. And Gail Simone had a smiley face. Like, <laughs> so whatever's going on, everybody seems to be on board. Um, well, it's because Dan signs the checks. Yeah, I mean, if Dan said, "Look at my junk neighbors," they'd probably get a retweet. <laughs> I get a restraining order, but Dan makes friends on the internet. God, you're freaking Charlie Brown. I got a rock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, well, I mean, they didn't have to necessarily respond favorably. They could have ignored it. <laughs> I suppose. And and nobody has come out, you know, grumpy about something. Usually with half of these things, somebody comes out grumpy about something. <laughs> no, that's that's the that's the job of, of comics internet and podcasts, <laughs> quite frankly. You know, there hasn't been a, a creator from some rival camp talking about like how this is a sad attempt at relevancy or how they're great even though they can't draw feet. Like just like, <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus, <laughs> I, I I do not subscribe to Rob Liefeld's Twitter feed. <laughs> I wonder if Rob has gone slightly berserk <laughs> considering his role in the New Fifty Two. I don't know. Oh well, just, all just all saying theories. It seems to be positive for the most part. In terms of those that are that would be affected and involved because it's their job. That, that's a weird thing. If if the theory I came up with today that we just ranted about for twenty minutes or whatever <laughs> is even remotely correct, I'm not excited. I, I'm I'm not sure about Jeff Johns and Batman. Uh, a Batman rebirth uh, it might be might be all right, but we'll have to see. Certainly less excited. You know, he had a particularly with Flash Rebirth, he had a history with Flash. So if yeah. anybody was going to bring Barry Allen back after all his work with Wally West, I, okay, it's like, all right, I'll put myself in your hands. With Batman, the one real Batman we've got, it's like, I'm not sure you really get this, dude. Well, if they're going to hand it up, I mean, that's, I guess the question is, after Snyder, who who's next in terms of flagship writers that would be reasonable I mean, to hand it off to that could possibly follow? I mean, obviously right now my... My theory is Jeff Johns and Ethan Van Syver. <laughs> I mean, look, considering the impact that Snyder has had, you know, after the new Fifty Two, you know, I don't want to call, I don't want to say if you look at the wreckage that's left over from that mess, <laughs> but it's if you look at it, everything has sort of fallen off except Batman. Batman has stayed top ten for four years. Following Scott Snyder on Batman is almost a sucker's game, and if you're Dan DiDio and Bob Harris, and you look at your bench, who do you have who's A-list enough to to do that and mm. get people excited about it? That's a good question. And I think all you got is Jeff Johns. Yeah, and, unless you were to somehow get Brian Azzarello to do it. I don't want to read another Azzarello Batman. Uh, yeah. It, he's <laughs> <laughs> The one right now is enough. Yeah. And Broken City uh, was not exactly my favorite arc. No, back although 10 years he's ago. he's doing okay developing the story for Batman Europa, so I should I should not be so hasty. Yeah, so I suppose that could work, but I mean, who else is a list enough where it's like, oh yeah, that can take over for what Scott Snyder's done since the New Fifty Two? Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, 
they certainly have their their share of names that people follow, like a Gail Simone, but I don't, I don't see her writing Batman for yeah. the long haul. I mean, one of the theories that I, I read in the last week was uh, maybe uh, Tom King and Tim Seeley. I would read um, that. You know, because I think their last issue of Grayson is 18. Yeah, they're they're leaving early, earlier than the solicits originally uh, implied. Yeah, and uh, oh, J- Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason, who did Batman and Robin, which that, is be right. which is a book that uh, was part of the New 52 and that I'll cop to. I completely misread the, the first issue of that. Because if, if you look at the first issue of Batman and Robin after the new 52. Is that the one with the bat poles? They're going down bat poles and doing weird acrobatics. It's just like, oh, Jesus, you're trying to go hold Batman 66. <laughs> and I know there's a resurgence for Batman 66, but I'm Generation X. You know, I grew up, you know, as the generation as you get Frank Miller and Alan Moore. And it's like, wow, comics are growing up with me. But every fucking news story was pow, biff, comics aren't for kids anymore. Believe me, I didn't get wedgied in the fucking bathrooms and the, the locker rooms in junior high school and high school uh, because of Frank Miller's Batman. No, <laughs> it was Batman 66. I, I fought long and hard along with my fellow 40-something brethren to get above and beyond that. So I get there's now a certain retro nostalgia for it, but no, fuck that shit. I hated that shit. <laughs> So yeah, to see bat poles and it's like, oh no, you're fucking it. But that wound up probably being my second favorite Batman book coming out of the new 52 was Batman and Robin. So it was good. I could see them doing it. But again, if you're going to make an announcement to the comics press of saying, and the replacement for Scott Snyder, Pete Tomasi, I'd probably get excited because again, I like Batman and Robin, but you're not exactly going to set the world on fire with that. Sorry, Pete. Well, (laughs) on the other hand, though. I I love you, buddy. I don't know you. But... (laughs) You had to start somewhere. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I suppose Scott Snyder was a guy who did some pretty solid detective comics issues. Yeah. Before he wound up picking up, picking up Batman. I'd read a, a Kyle Higgins Batman. <laughs> I, w- I would read it. I, yeah, I like Kyle Higgins. Shit, I like how you and I both liked his Deathstroke yeah. run. You really liked his Deathstroke run. I really run. liked his Deathstroke run. <laughs> I suppose you could do Batman as a busted up middle age, but still beating the shit out of the... Get off my lawn! Get off my lawn, you millennial joker fake. <laughs> All right, let's move on from that, because we've, we've devoted a lot of time to, uh, this is my theory based on a rumor that nobody's releasing any information about. Yeah, that's, are you sure it was coffee beans and not like a fistful of Adderall? I just want to know if I need to call 911. If I could get chocolate-covered Adderall, <laughs> you'd never see me again. I'd be in the gutter so fast, it would be like a greased shoot. I can see through time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm not firing off any sound effects for that. All right, so you want to move on to uh, Legends of Tomorrow? Sure. We were originally going to talk this week about both uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, the first couple episodes, and the first couple episodes of X-Files. The tricky part became a combination of uh, the first episode of X-Files uh, started right after one of the football playoff games. So we have it in pieces parts. <laughs> yeah, so the TiVo got part of it, and then we got another part, so it was hard to watch all the way through. Uh, plus, I like to drink beer, which meant I fell asleep for the last 10 minutes of both episodes, and we just have Three not... times. Like, we, we've tried a couple of times to we, watch it. Yeah, well... I'm an alcoholic! But, <laughs> but no, I mean, I think that speaks to, like, is it holding your attention? I, at, at this point, given that it's a mini-series event of, like, what, six episodes? Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna watch all six, and then we're gonna come back and have a, a discussion about it, because 
the second episode, in my opinion, was stronger than the first one, but I still have a lot of questions and not a not a few concerns. <laughs> Which is fine. It's <sighs> considering the amount I drank. I'm not sure the fact that I fell asleep for a TV show necessarily means anything. I fell asleep three times for Grimm, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, which which we both <laughs> like. But, uh, yeah, we have not had time to rewatch those, so we had to pick one or the other. So, yeah, we figured we'll come back to the X-Files when it's all said and done. Yes. Uh, but we would do the first couple of episodes of DC's Legends of Tomorrow, because after all, purely by happenstance, oh, they're calling it Pilot Part 1, Part 2. So, technically... We're talking about the first two-hour movie. or I'll, <laughs> I'll justify my behavior in any way possible. That's, that's fine. You, whatever you need to do. I want you to feel good about you. Pause to drink beer. That helps. <laughs> I, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say I, I enjoyed it. It's not something that you had to think very hard about. It's not going to make you any smarter. No, it definitely <laughs> it won't. It, <laughs> it's fun. Yes. Um, I, I just want to do a side note. We were going to talk about this last week. Yes. So we watched the first episode a couple of times and I was, I did some research on it. Um, now the first scene of the first episode of the pilot is yes. Vandal Savage asking a child his name and the kid says Jonas. Yep. So the first thing I did was Google Jonas in DC, which is a hell of a thing to Google the day after winter storm Jonas. <laughs> Crippled Washington, D.C. I got no information whatsoever. Wow, yeah. So it was just... That's where you want to use your advanced Google search. <laughs> no, that's when I gave up. As a matter of fact, <laughs> oh, I'm not getting shit out of this, but you know, they wound up revealing uh, who he was out of the game. Because that's yeah. half the trick with these DCW shows. Yeah. Patent pending on that name, copyright, <laughs> Crisis on Infinite Midlife. Does it make you feel good every time you say DCW? Uh, yes, it does. Okay. Do you touch yourself a little? I mean, I, it's okay. Uh, I won't judge much. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, but it's one of the things with all of these shows is they'll reappropriate character names yeah. and they'll have some oh the, this person might just be a cameo and but you got to figure out the name and they, they'll go deep yeah and they went deep in this one i had to google uh what jefferson jackson yeah yeah that's a deep firestorm bench character <laughs> which which we'll go into in, in a little bit but yeah so it's that's what i do it's like oh jonas a kid in dc yeah, I'm not gonna find anything out, but they they wound up telling us who it was. Yeah. But as, as I I was watching both episodes, I, I think one of the tricky parts they're gonna have to deal with, assuming they choose to deal with it and not just completely embrace it and push certain characters off to the side, the antiheroes, the darker characters, are about a hundred times more fun and entertaining and compelling yes. than any of the rest of them on the show. I mean, Heat Wave, Captain Cold, and White Canary in the bar in the 1970s. Spoilers, by the way. We're going to spoil <laughs> the hell out of this show. But, yeah, it's uh, those three characters in the bar in the 70s, that was the most fun of both episodes. Absolutely. And it was just a fucking bar fight. There were yeah. no superpowers at all. It had nothing to do with the main plot. It was just sort of a, let's, uh, literally, it was just, let's plunk these characters here and have this fight. To the tr to the soundtrack to the Captain and Tennille, which is fucking glorious. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great fun scene that you could have edited out completely and not had anything to any effect on the plot whatsoever. If that's the most compelling thing in two hours, 
considering you've got all these other characters now that you, that you have to service, they're going to have to deal with that at some point. Yeah. I, well, I think that's going to be the challenge of, of it being an ensemble show. And I, a lot of shows run into this. It's like, all right, who do we focus on? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, the <laughs> Captain Cold and Heat Wave. I mean, Jesus, who's the guy? I wrote everybody's down. Who plays Heat Wave? Uh, Dominic Purcell. Yes. He's been in a season and a half at this point of Flash episodes on and off. And in two episodes, he's been about the most fun character <laughs> in this whole fucking show. Yeah, no, he's he's had some great one-liners. They're doing a lot more with him, allowing him to to be the the funny bad guy than when he was on Flash, where he was just sort of stoic and would say you know terse, serious things and then break heads. Well, he still has a certain amount of that, but you've got Wentworth Miller as Captain <laughs> Cold, who's doing the very stoic yet over the top, you know, <laughs> the. the the one of the great lines in it was uh everybody's sitting around bored to get to get to the the bar scene and <laughs> uh Kaylee Lotz as White Canary says, All right, who wants to get weird in the seventies? Like, I'm in. It's <laughs> just the stoic but chewing the scenery at the same time, which that's gotta be a skill. I mean, I don't think you learn that shit at the actor's studio. That's yeah, it's like, all right, I have to become the embodiment of cool. What does that mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, he's had some great lines, but, you know, yeah, heat wave. With, uh, yeah, he had something where he was talking to Professor Stein in episode two or part two of the pilot where Stein had completely bluffed his way into this assassin's meeting where they're going to buy some nuclear uh, materials. Nuclear bomb, bomb, a fucking yeah. A-bomb. And, and... He, he he basically goes off at length about how he's the head of some super secret group that like caused all these bombings and yeah it's it's not <laughs> specter but almost and, yeah. and i'm sitting here going wow is he using actual 1970s history or is he just spouting off fucking shit that happened in james <laughs> bond movies i legitimately don't know but then heatwave says to him <laughs> oh yeah it's like i like you doc you're the right kind of crazy yeah <laughs> And, uh, yeah, he was the one who's like, you know, dollar beers. I love the 70s. <laughs> and, so, yeah, he's had some great one-liners. He was and, the one that decided to put Captain and Tennille on the jukebox. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> his mom used to listen to yeah, it. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, earlier in the first episode where uh, he's like, again, to Dr. Stein, he's like, you know, whatever you roofied the kid with, I want some of it. Like, <laughs> I did not roofie him. Hey, Doc, I'm not judging. I just want some. <laughs> To me, if there's been a surprise of the the casting and the characters of the whole thing, it's it's Heatwave, because uh, yeah, he always was second banana to Captain Cold in the first season of The Flash, yeah, and was almost kind of a cipher. It's I know the stunt casting is, if I remember right, both these guys, Prison uh, Break, yeah, they were in Prison Break together. So okay, fine, whatever. I didn't. And wa- now because they've done so well with this, it looks like Prison Break is getting like a reboot. Oh fuck that! That's. <laughs> What, what were there three seasons? Thanks, Berlanti. Yeah, what were there three seasons? <laughs> you son of a bitch! <laughs> but oh, <laughs> uh, once you break out of prison, how do you do season two? I don't understand this. <laughs> Where's my whiskey funnel? <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna break back in. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I demand answers. Goddamn it! I can't you're help the, you. You're the only one here, but. So yeah, he was genuinely surprising to me over the first couple episodes. He's probably not necessarily my favorite 
I think that Wentworth Miller still is is my favorite because he's still got some great lines. So when they come back from having attempted to go out to drink at the bar, which then devolved into the bar fight, they come back and um, sideswipe this bounty hunter who has come back to uh, get Rip Hunter because surprise and spoilers, his um, intentions were running counter to the Council of Time Masters for whom he works. And so they've sent a bounty hunter after him to bring him in because he's going to um, break laws of time. And Wentworth Miller says, well, while we're gone, you get into a fight with Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. there were great one-liners in this from from everybody. But again, the, the big focus is on the anti-hero contingent. Yeah. And, and that's fine. But you've got a big cast that... But I think they're also trying to use some of this... So that the the supposed good characters learn more about themselves and um, will come to a, a greater ability to apply their skills in the service of good rather than for themselves. We see that in the case of Dr. Stein. See, to me... Professor Stein, rather. See, to, to me, Stein is possibly, maybe on top of, but at least on the level of the anti-hero characters, the one who is the most interesting and in getting the longest shrift yeah well, check out my long shrift <laughs> i've got the longest goddamn shrift you've ever seen <laughs> well, part two focused on him meeting his younger self which is always the definition of ah paradox don't do that yeah um but yeah i'm surprised nobody brought up time cop because in time cop it's oh no if you meet your younger self you explode and turn into protoplasm <laughs> i would have liked a nice time cop reference We'll that would have been it. a perfect. <laughs> that would have been a perfect line for Heat Wave. It's like when when you meet yourself, don't touch yourself, and then you could not, not only have a jack off joke, but do a time cop <laughs> time cop joke. I'm sorry I, that they. Failed. I've had so many coffee beans. <laughs> I can't even describe it to you. <laughs> uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. <laughs> um, I'm really worried about you. I feel terrific. I bet you do. You're only grinding your teeth completely. <laughs> Let me know if you start getting down to bloody nubs. Um, <laughs> but Stein Stein learns that the older you get, that doesn't necessarily mean the the more mature or changed in your behavior you get. And that's something that has been explored in other time travel stories. So I was kind of glad to see it touched upon early and quickly so we can kind of move on from that in a way. Um, <laughs> yeah, that does seem like a kind of thing that you try to drop into Episode six, very special. Let's get some pathos going on. Yeah, like um, Jeff Parker touched on it in his Thunderbolts run, where oh uh, yeah, <laughs> Norbert Ebersol <laughs> um, has to, uh, discovers that his younger self is a dick. <laughs> I have I've said a million times I would never go back in time. <laughs> Part of it is if I if I had to go a day without the internet, I would kill myself. Yeah, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Looking back on myself, oh, I would not want to meet me. Yeah. <laughs> I would tune myself up so hard. But also in this, um, Ray Palmer's struggle to figure out who he's supposed to be and how he can make a meaningful difference in the world and in life. I'm I'm struck by his comments around like, I died and then I came back and it looked like nobody cared. Like, that's incredibly selfish on the one hand, but at the same time, oh, yeah, what if you came back and you discovered that nobody gave a shit that you died? 
Well, that that's what would happen if somebody <laughs> stuck me into a Lazarus pit. But I'm not Ray Palmer, who is supposed to be sort of an analog for Elon Musk. Yeah. And, oh, I've created all this, you know. And it didn't matter. Yeah, but that's that's what it was a little unrealistic to me and a little unbelievable. It's he'd at least get a, a night or two on the nightly news, if only for the fight over his fucking will. Yeah. Um or the or the daily rundown on the on the business channels of, of how um Felicity is fucking up his business. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he's supposed to be the Steve Jobs of the DCW, how many Steve Jobs movies have we had in the last two fucking years? I don't disagree, but I, I thought it was an interesting thing to touch upon because that's supposed to be the thing that's driving him now it's like all right so i didn't make enough of a of a difference in my life before my supposed death what more can i do and still he and stein struggle with the the smartest guy in the room syndrome and (laughs) so when he goes out on the heist caper with cold and heat wave and discovers that his big brain is no help really at all (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing that the thing I noticed about Ray Palmer, number one, by making him sort of a gee whiz milk toast, he's really getting buried by the rest of the cast. Now, I don't, I don't think that Brandon Routh is playing him badly because I've always thought he did well with the gee whiz and half scatterbrain genius. Yeah. But I mean, the, the problem is everybody else is so compelling and he's just sort of, well, shit, I'm a tech billionaire, but nobody remembers me if I die. That's not a really compelling motivation. I mean, the the motivation to go along with this mission from Captain Hulk Cold and Heatwave of, can you imagine going back to where they can't pull your fingerprints and you could just steal whatever the fuck you want? And they don't have DNA testing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jesus, even the, the motivation of uh, White Canary of, I think I've been driven insane by the fucking Lazarus pits <laughs> and I want blood. <laughs> Why don't I go take it out? On earlier times. Uh, yeah. It's I've got no place in this world. <laughs> yeah. You know, indicated most obviously by her introduction just being in a bar in Nepal. <laughs> you know, like the kind of bar from Raiders of the yeah. Lost Ark. And she's pounding a shot and the place is full of Sherpas. And <laughs> she just goes in there and pulls out her bow staffs and gives the place a thorough raven wooding. Just destroys everybody. <laughs> So, yeah, it's a good shorthand for I got nothing. But, yeah, Brandon Routh and his, you know, oh, Jesus, I'm I'm worth billions, and yet I'm not remembered in a thousand years. Not a really compelling reason to do it when the real reason is, hey, Brandon, you signed a contract, buddy. I'm sorry Superman Returns didn't work out, but <laughs> we'll pay you. But it's, I mean, when you think about Ray Palmer in just these two episodes, and it's just two episodes, yeah. but what were his biggest moments? Fucking up. The heist, <laughs> losing the missile launcher on his suit and putting the entirety of history at risk. Yep. He he tried to shrink down and defuse the nuke and knock the timer down to 30 seconds to guarantee it would fucking go off. And then, yeah, realizing he was completely unmemorable and not only realizing he was completely unmemorable, demonstrating it by showing that Stein doesn't even fucking remember him, even though they worked together or he was a student. He was or a student of his, supposedly. So, yeah, his character traits are... I'm not good at anything and nobody remembers me. <laughs> That's not a compelling superhero. They got to do something with that character to, to keep him going. Well, yeah, but if, if what he's relied on in life prior to his death was I'm, I'm smart, I make money because of tech and that's not enough, then where do you go from there? 
based on these two episodes, he's going to blunder from situation to situation and go, Oh, I'm sorry. I I didn't know how this machine worked. <laughs> and then shit will explode. <laughs> it's early. It's the first couple episodes. And frankly, in certain ways, he's probably the biggest name since he was Superman, for Christ's sake. Yeah. And everybody else needs to get an introduction for potential new viewers. Yeah. But, yeah, they've got to do something with that character. Because right now, yeah, he's just sort of, boy, howdy, I wish I was famous. And he's getting <laughs> buried by everybody else. Yeah. I, you, you've you said a couple of times watching it that you wished it was Ted Cord and it was a Blue Beetle kind of thing. I firmly believe that somebody has hope to bring, uh, look, this ship has eight seats on it. And we've already lost Hawkman. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> we warned we were going to spoil up front. <laughs> uh, I guarantee you, every blonde 20-something actor with a winning smile is sending their picture to Greg Berlanti, hoping to bring Booster, Booster Gold, Gold into this. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the only reason I can think of why he's the Adam, considering who Ray Palmer is in the comics versus who Ted Cord is and the type of technology and everything is somebody was hoping they could do something with Blue Beetle some way, somewhere else. Yeah. There's no reason for this to be Ray Palmer and the Adam. For Christ's sake, he didn't even realize he could shrink <laughs> until the end of the season of Arrow he was <laughs> debuted on. He was fucking, he was Iron Man for Christ's That's sake. That's true. That's true. Or, or Iron Man analog. My shoulders are starting to hurt because I'm so wired with coffee beans that I, I'm, I'm talking like a, you're you're ranting. Your, your arms are going a mile a minute over there. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm talking like a, an Italian stereotype on methamphetamines. I'm waving around like I'm trying to direct the band. <laughs> Get it out of your system now. You've got to sleep sometime. We were somewhere around Barstow, on the edge of the desert, when the drugs began to take hold. And the thing is, there's a whole other container of those coffee beans. Don't tell me that. For Christ's sake, I got to work tomorrow. I'm worried I'm going to wake up at like 5 o'clock tomorrow morning and you're going to be huddled in a corner like Gollum with them, just rubbing them into your gums. <laughs> Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. <laughs> My precious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's try to get back on point for Christ's sake. Like I said, we got a potential bandwidth problem with this show. <laughs> All so, right. So then we've got the kid playing um, Jefferson Jackson. And... His only real thing so far that has been useful is that he has explained to Stein how this is giving him newfound purpose because of the whole team aspect. And what they're trying to hammer home over these two episodes is that there, there are a lot of individual contributors who are not really functioning as a team yet. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> Yeah, he, he says at the end of the first episode, oh, I like being on the team. Even though you roofied me. That team roofied him. <laughs> team roofie. They dragged him around unconscious <laughs> from place to place. They abandoned him in favor of going out for dollar beers to knock out a bunch <laughs> of 70s bikers. Uh, even the automatic pilot of the time ship ignored his wishes yeah. as being useless and worthless. If, but he says he wants to be on the team because it reminds him of being on the football team. If 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 being on this team reminds him of being on the high school football team, I'm gonna guarantee you his favorite part of varsity was the freshman year hazing. And I say like ookie cookie, what? Yeah, <laughs> at least I don't have to carry an olive to the wave rider and eat it if I drop it. If you get my meaning. <laughs> Yeah, that was a character beat that came from nowhere. What feeling? Like you've been you've been Shanghai, motherfucker. Yeah, 
I've been flat out Shanghai. You're not a member of the team. You're there to create a superhero in case Stein's blustering, bluffing to get into places fucks up. <laughs> That's all you're there for. Yeah, but you know, hopefully, hopefully they'll give him more to do because otherwise, yeah, we've got he he doesn't have a lot to do. Adam doesn't have a hell of a lot to do. To be fair, in the second episode, they gave him a little bit more to at least sort of be out in the world. By yes. the second episode, I was a little bit more into Jefferson. Well, they, they demonstrated that, yes, he can absorb the power of a nuclear blast, but it was also um, something that they could have solved just as easily by having him uh, drop the missile that he was taking to safety out into a body of water that he was flying over anyway. Yeah, I'm not real clear on the powers of Firestorm in this particular universe, because Firestorm, historically in the comics... You know, he's almost he's almost Captain Adam or Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. You know, so yeah, while well, he's flying around with this nuke, I'm thinking of the comedian going, you could have turned it into snowflakes for Christ's sake. <laughs> you know, it, yeah, just turn it into oxygen. Well, I think that the two of them... Turn the plutonium in, <laughs> into Nutella. The two of them don't really know the full extent of their powers yet, and that's something that I, that they were taking the opportunity to, to explore with this. I don't know. Would it, would it would it have looked cooler if he had turned it into snowflakes over the ocean, or is it cooler to have the giant bomb blast afterwards? No, turn the plutonium into candy, and then the, <laughs> the countryside. Thank you, firestorm, as M and M's fall from the sky. <laughs> Why is it raining skittles? <laughs> There's skittles everywhere. What's that superhero's name? <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I found a way to use it organically. I'm a hero. <laughs> Please help me. <laughs> I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> um, would it have been more visually interesting? Fuck no. But it would have been truer maybe to the characters' powers in the comic books. But uh, then again... But also, if you get to the point where he realizes he can do that, then he becomes somebody that they're going to have to find a way to bench every single episode because he becomes the most uh, powerful player in the room at any given time. No, you, you've absolutely got a valid point. And uh, yeah, to take a step back, Firestorm's powers since the new 52, I'm not sure how really defined they are because I'm looking back to the first issue or two of Fury of Firestorm where it was, oh no, Ronnie and Jason are both Firestorms, and when they combine they become the Hulk for some reason. <laughs> so I'm not even sure what Firestorm can fucking do in the new 52 universe. Yeah. So, yeah, alright, why not? Take the opportunity to just make them look cool and fly around and maybe learn stuff as it go goes along. Yeah. That actually would be pretty interesting to see. So if that's the tack they're going to take with Firestorm. As long as it also is a learning opportunity for Stein, because the whole like smartest dude in the room thing will get tiresome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he'll get his ass kicked in short order. Yeah. Let's talk about the Hawk people. Well, actually, before we do that, as long as we're talking about Jefferson. Okay. We both remarked watching the show, is like, why, why isn't it Jason Roosh? Yeah. You know, who was Firestorm since 2004. Right. You know, after Ronnie Raymond was... Yeah, I would say, <laughs> as much as I'm a defender of Identity Crisis... How they just sort of used, oh, let's take a panel or two to just wipe Firestorm off the board. Yeah. So somebody could do something different that with was it. was the weakest. Yeah, the weakest part of, of that that series for me. Yeah. And I recognize there are people who, that's the weakest? Oh, my. <laughs> Most of that worked for me. I kind of liked it. Sue me. Fuck it. But <laughs> yeah, I have no idea why they did. So I tried to Google it to see if there's a particular reason why they didn't go with Jason Roush or Roosh or however you 
pronounce it. Because so, you can't pronounce his last name, that's why. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's very possible. But yeah, I, I wasn't able to, to find anything. Uh, but what I was able to find, and, and on one hand, I, I want to say, oh, I'm surprised I don't remember this because I have the first issue of The Fury of Firestorm, but mm. it's it's in storage. I haven't taken it out of the, the bag and read it in God knows how long. But yeah, there was a character in the first few issues of Fur- Fury of Firestorm in 1982 <laughs> who I want to say was Jefferson Jackson, except <laughs> if you look online, it's almost like he was a completely undefined character. He was Ronnie's black friend. Oh, God. And sometimes they called him Jefferson, and sometimes they called him Jackson. And so people speculate that's because his name was either Jefferson Jackson or Jackson Jefferson. Or because the editor wasn't on top of that shit like they should have been. Yeah, I more think it was uh, Jerry Conway who created (laughs) uh, Firestorm, sort of going like Stan Lee, now that I'm rereading all these early Fantastic Fours. In the first appearance of the Hulk in Fantastic Four, through the entire thing, about six or seven times in that issue, he's Bob Banner. <laughs> and it's purely, and Stan is cop to shit. There were so many characters I couldn't remember. That's yeah. why he's now Robert Bruce Banner, was because of that one issue. So yeah, it's this, this character, be him Jefferson, Jackson, Jefferson Jackson, or Jackson Jefferson, he appeared 11 times. <laughs> his, <laughs> his last appearance was in Fury of Firestorm 35, which was March 1985. So that that was a pre-crisis wow. issue, which means that Jefferson Jackson, who is now a character on a major DCW <laughs> TV show, has not existed, literally not existed, because after Crisis, all those unnamed characters were wiped out for 30 years in DC Comics. Wow. Why they decided to go with him... Instead of Jason Rush, I have no fucking idea. Possibly because we don't know what plans they have down the line for the DC movies, and they could be planning something for a Firestorm vehicle. I suppose it's you know looking at you know they're, what they're planning to do with Justice League. If Batman versus Superman makes any money, and then Justice League, sure, if they could go full Marvel with this DC Films initiative, yeah, why not? It just seems weird. It does seem weird, but consider how much fan shit they took over not using Grant Gustin to be their Flash for the movie. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I suppose. All right. You wanted to talk Hawk people. Let's talk Hawk people. God, they're the worst part of the show. They really are. (laughs) They're so fucking bad. Yeah, they're they're not good. When uh, when Hawkman... (laughs) Spoilers. When Hawkman sucked the pipe, (laughs) I was so happy. Oh, thank God. Well, the whole the whole arc for the the hawk people so far has just been like sad and pathetic. They, in the first episode, the two of them discover Aldous Boardman, who is a professor, and also their son from previous incarnation, uh, and he uh, dies very shortly thereafter. And uh, Rip Hunter doesn't explain to them about fixed points in time because the whole reason they brought Aldous with them. Uh, after they met him was to try to have him avoid whatever it was that was going to kill him. According to historical background on the guy, he dies of unknown causes in his office. And now he dies of, of known causes in a field because of massive trauma. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, at least nobody said timey wimey reasons. Yeah. Cause I may have gone. Berserk. Oh, and we'll, we'll get to that stuff. In we'll, a yes, we'll, we'll talk about that, but, um, the the actress they've hired, and I don't know what her name is off the top of my head. Uh, Ciara Renee. Okay. She's not very good. <laughs> yeah. it's <laughs> she, She's not very good. She's not hard on the eyes. <laughs> There's something similar to emoting going on. <laughs> she means well. 
Uh, yeah, look, uh, I'm sure it's a great opportunity for her, but uh, yeah, it's if there's if there are any moments where it's like, oh god, you're trying hard. It's when she's trying to emote. Well, I, honestly, there's in all of the Berlanti um, superhero shows, it's much easier to point to actresses who have been cast badly than it is to point to actors that have been cast badly. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a shame, but I mean, when he's got it right, he's got it right. Um, Melissa Benoit, who's or Benoit or whatever her name is, that's playing Supergirl. You know, oh she's, yeah, she's great. Um, yeah, it's like it's Katie like he, Lots is great. <laughs> yeah, but it's like he took seventy five percent of his female casting abilities and put it onto Supergirl. Which, if you're gonna put it someplace, yeah, put it on the one with with a woman who is the main <laughs> character. That's the smart thing to do. Yeah, but but yeah, watching her try to summon tears to her eyes over this this old gentleman who is supposed to be her son. Yeah. It's like she understands that it's a comic book sort of on a very basic level and is sort of forcing the emotion based on, well, it says it in the script. And also it's they're making I they're making really difficult um choices as far as the writing is concerned, to, to have her make these sudden leaps because she she's bemoaning every step of the way. I don't remember anything. I don't remember anything. So for her to then like have this emotional outpouring for someone she didn't remember. <laughs> yeah. The only way they're going to get around this is to eventually explain sort of the, the rules behind reincarnation and how memories come. Yeah. Because yeah, even if you understand intellectually Okay, I'm reincarnated from <laughs> from the, the the Temple of Horus, and I recognize that straight from the comic book. But explain somebody to to pronounce it more carefully, because <laughs> it really sounds like they're saying the Temple of Huas, and that just doesn't work out. No, but, no, that's a very different temple. But yeah, that was uh, all right. Not to not to get off topic, but yeah, it's it, she's trying, but. Yeah, it's Yeah, she's trying. She's she's like Iris in The Flash. You know, somebody has to be the weakest link. Or or Katie Cassidy in The Flash also. Not yeah. The Flash, uh, Green Arrow. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it, in its own way and I'm wondering if they didn't do it because they sort of realized, okay, we have this actress with certain limitations, but uh she had zero she has zero chemistry with anyone. But zero chemistry with a the guy who played Hawkman, uh, if I wrote it down, Falk Hunchel. Yes, he's German. I, I Googled him. <laughs> that's his That's his name. Okay. <laughs> Believe me, if he was trying to come up with a clever stage name that was easy to remember, he fucked up. Yeah. Cause, but... I had my first street and my, my, my first pet. Mm. <laughs> 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 so why would you name your dog that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Legends of Tomorrow. No, I thought it was one of those porno parodies. I thought it was going to nail the girl. <laughs> yeah, they had zero chemistry together. Yeah, well, there's a whole reason that there's there's a, a contingent of Berlanti DC-verse fans who continue to ship Kendra and, um, and Cisco <laughs> because they had more chemistry in their one episode together oh, yeah, absolutely. Than, than this guy. <laughs> Yeah, and after a certain point, the the reincarnation and flashing back to Egypt and whatever just only goes a a certain distance. Yeah. So, yeah, getting him out of the way so that she doesn't – she's clearly having issues pretending, oh, this is my son, this old fart. 
And this guy I just met, I have to pretend to completely be in love with. And yeah, it's just, it's not working out. If there's a casting weak link, it's her. Yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to be a dick, but I am. No, no. If it makes you feel any better, Ciara, you got that fat TV money and I'm sitting in my basement right now (laughs) doing this in my free time. Wired on coffee beans. (laughs) So I'll start paying you in coffee beans. (laughs) That'll work. I'll take it. I feel pretty good. The beer's hitting the coffee. There's a terrible stew going on right now. <laughs> this is what happens when an irresistible force meets an immovable object. The story. Anyway. News at 11. So, um, all right, anything else about the Hawk people or should we move to Rip? No, I, th- I think it's, it's good um, that one of them has bought the farm uh, <laughs> because it opens up a space where hopefully somebody else will show up that might be a stronger cast member. I mean, the the smart money, if they have the rights to the character, is Booster Gold. Rip yes. Hunter and Booster Gold, that's supposed to be the partnership. Yep. So Absolutely. everybody else involved in this, hey, great. You've got some interesting characters there. But but yeah, Booster Gold is really who it should be. But the thing, you know, the thing that concerns me is that uh, Kendra has not demonstrated herself to be particularly effective as a hawk person at this point. And at the very least, Carter had going for him. He knew how to, you know, use his powers. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the sad thing. So now she'll have even less to do. <laughs> well, it, it's the sad thing it, when the cartoon version of the character has so much more depth and is more compelling. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that is the challenging piece. Yeah, it, and God knows uh, I'm a middle-aged white man, but it still feels weird to me. It's like, no, don't call her Hawk Girl. For Christ's sake, she's not 11. Yeah. So, Hawk Woman. <laughs> yeah, even the cartoon got that right after a while. Yeah. So we're going to have, you know, episodes. This is what concerns me. We're going to have episodes ahead of us where it's like, I'm kind of still trying to figure out my memories and I wish I knew how, what I was doing. Oh, if only Carter hadn't died because he could help me. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want nostalgia for Falk <laughs> Stockman. God damn it. You know who I miss? Falk. I miss Falk, god damn it. Do you? Do you really? <laughs> uh, I think he's going to be coming back. Looking ahead in IMDb, it looks like he shows up in some some episodes down the road. So. Look, when the character reincarnates, he'll come back. Yeah. Uh, trust me, he's got some kind of X episodes a year. Well, and that's there the, will be flashbacks. Okay, that's the question, though. Is We've not seen the last of Falk, god damn it. Nope, no, we haven't. Um, no, it, the question becomes though: If you die in nineteen seventy whatever, do you reincarnate in nineteen seventy whatever, or do you skip ahead to twenty sixteen, where your character was supposed to be originally in time, and then reincarnate there? Oh, and does that mean there are two Hawkmen plus one Hawkwoman potentially running around in nineteen seventy whatever to really kick the groin of Vandal Savage as hard and rapidly as possible? God, this is gonna be like episode. This is gonna be like season two of Buffy all over. Again. <laughs> There's two Hawkmen. <laughs> Are you good or even? <laughs> no, no, they're both good, but they're also both aggro. All right, now fake tears, Ciara. Oh shit, lunch. We'll come back to it. Think of just go get an onion and think about something sad. <laughs> that puppy that you didn't have or something. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever works. All right, so you want to talk the stunt casting? Yes. So we got Arthur Darvel as Rip Hunter. Those of you who are not familiar with um, Arthur Darvel's uh, greater oeuvre, 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he is probably most well known to to geekdom as Rory, Amy's husband, uh, on on Doctor Who. Yes, and traveled with Amy and the Doctor as um, a third wheel companion. True. During the the Matt Smith run. <laughs> he was also Father Perv on season one of Grace Point, but I, I don't think that. No. Actually, wait, is Grace Point the American one? Or... Yeah, Grace Point's the American one. Shit. Broadchurch. Broadchurch. He was Father Perv on Broadchurch. Sorry, my mistake. Father Perv on Broadchurch. <laughs> Are you sure? Did you want to maybe say it one more time? Now put your hands together for the man who's falling apart before our eyes. <laughs> Yeah, we got new sound clips this week. I went deep for the 101st episode. <laughs> um, so he's had the benefit of working with both David Tennant and Matt Smith. Um, Smith, clearly, in the, the Doctor Who capacity. He's he's had a lot of time around the whole like, time travel TV show thing. <laughs> Indeed. Gosh, I'm eloquent this evening. <laughs> and he seems to be doing his level best to try to channel some of that <laughs> into his performance as Rip Hunter. Oh, absolutely. They've clearly gone out of their way to style his character with nods towards Doctor Who. You can't not say that. He's got this trench coat thing going on. Yes, he's carrying a gun, which the Doctor never would do. But <laughs> Oh, yeah, but they did certain things to make it clear, oh, he's not the Doctor. Yeah. And part of his dress is, eh, there's a certain amount of Doctor there, but also you can just as easily say, a gunslinger. So his, yeah. I loved his little six-shooter laser pistol. Because yeah, number one, it, it really is right in the face of, uh, it's got the same blue color as the sonic screwdriver, <laughs> but no, motherfucker, I'll blow your head off. Well, he never actually says what it is, because um, Aldous at one point looked, is that a laser? And he just, he doesn't say anything. It could be Sonic. We don't know. <laughs> a Sonic revolver. <laughs> nice. Um, and they when he when he takes the wave rider, wave runner, wave rider, um, uh, wave rider. I think. Thank you. And and leaps into time. There's these sort of like things that look reminiscent to what they have in in Doctor Who with these sort of like wormholes that open up that he pops into and out of oh, uh, as look, he runs away. That ship is so clearly He's meant He's run away with a ship. That's that's how Doctor Who started. Yeah, it is so clearly meant to be a TARDIS. It's He's having a fight with the the Grand High Council of Gallifrey. I'm sorry, the Time Master Council. Of course. <laughs> yeah, who's about preserving the timeline yeah. over everything. But yeah, it's meant to be a TARDIS. You know, it it has the uh the AI. What was the name of the AI? Gideon. Gideon. It's got it was the, like the Siri of like time travel. Yeah, but by having an actual personality, it makes Rip's relationship to the ship explicit for yes. reasons other than thirty years of fucking continuity. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, just the idea of the ship with a personality of its own comes straight from the TARDIS. Although Gideon showed up as the AI for um Doctor Wells in Flash, um, when he, when he when he was. Um, Eodard Thrawn. <laughs> oh, that's right. So it is much more of an actual. It's an AI, Siri. yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah, just a thing that you can buy, and that will talk to you and do shit for you. Yeah. All right, that's that's actually kind of cool because I'd forgotten that actually. So I thought it was just sort of a oh, it's here to so we can learn that there's a personal relationship with the ship the way there is on Doctor Who. Yeah, but it's 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 becoming more like in that. Um, season of the Flash, it was really much more of a perfunctory Siri type thing. Here, it feels more like a Jarvis. Yeah, and, and clearly, at least 
this version of Gideon on this ship has been working with Rip Hunter for a long time. Yeah. But <laughs> but yeah, there's just so much there from <laughs> when they had the whole conversation about, oh, we have to camouflage the ship so that <laughs> so that people won't be they have their heads blown by seeing something out of time. So Can you imagine what this would look like in Victorian London? Yeah, it would look like a police box that yeah. isn't supposed to be there. <laughs> but, but when Stein had the whole, oh, contextual camouflage, I'm like, oh, God, this is the retardist. This is just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I got to say that for stunt casting, it works. The dude is clearly having a blast. Yeah. He's chewing the scenery like a motherfucker. He's just having a good time with it. And he he has to understand, uh, part of why I'm here is to do this. So I'm going to do it. All right. I'm a doctor with a gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I will scream at people as though they were Sarah Jane or whoever and berate them. And Well, and also they're up front via Gideon that he's not typically one who works with other people so it makes sense in these first two episodes he is not a leader of men <laughs> yeah he doesn't know how to like you know organize systems and <laughs> yeah no I, I work alone uh, i got you people because fuck it you're cannon fodder basically <laughs> yeah and that's not the most inspiring way to go <laughs> yeah so <laughs> but the one thing that he did <laughs> i i think it was a I understand why they did it. I think it was a bad choice. It's and and part of why it really caught my attention, particularly when we watched it again uh, earlier this week, was uh, there was a, an uproar on some of the comics internet about oh how could Stein give roofies to Jefferson to bring him onto the ship? Rip Hunter had his little pistol grip neuralizer. He roofied all of them into at least hearing That's his true. speech, and nobody seemed to give a shit about that. So, yeah. I mean, my gut reaction was, yeah, all right, they, they roofied Jefferson. They did that to B.A. Baracus every fucking week for five seasons when I was a kid and nobody seemed to give a shit. I know. Twitter didn't exist when the A-Team was first on. That is true. <laughs> but but even that, looking back, having seen the first episode of the pilot a couple times, that's why I think it was a mistake. What he does with that pistol grip neuralizer makes the concept of the superhero really kind of looks stupid. <laughs> and I say this because we have these scenes of, as he's going around collecting his team, these scenes of people doing heroic things. Yeah, I talked about White Canary taking out an entire bar with just a pair of sticks. And when it's all done, he just walks up and points something with a pistol grip in her face and pulls the trigger, and it's well, actually, over. actually, she's the only one where we don't see him do that. Really? Yeah. I projected that? I think you did. <laughs> they may very well have had a drink and she might have been like, right, sure, I'll show up. I did not realize I'm that. I'm pretty sure. Okay. But it's everybody else. They do super heroic things and then a guy with a gun shows up and they're out. Yeah. So it just makes superheroes look kind of silly. Well, yeah, because, you know, what's the, the law of probability? <laughs> Maybe you get away with it once or twice with the Adam who's like, shucks, bright light. Um, yeah. <laughs> But with cold and heat wave, no, I'm, <laughs> you're not getting the jump on those guys. <laughs> no, but it's it really just the concept of okay, you you have superpowers, but a guy with a gun can just walk up to you and blow your head off, and it really makes comic books look kind of silly in a way that. Well, that's, it, it's like Craven's Last Hunt. Yeah, yeah, where he gets Spider-Man in the net and just shows up with a rifle and shoots him. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's like, no, if you, if you go realistic with this, it doesn't work. Well, it's, it's why I think when, um, Tara was shot in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it was so visceral. It's like, you, you can do all of these things, but if, if, if it's a bad day and somebody with a gun decides they want you, it doesn't matter how much superpower or magic you have, you're yeah. done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> there's sort of a shared consensus about the, a shared ignoring of things about any superhero story. Yeah. If you dive, really too far below the surface, you can really make it look ridiculous. Yeah. And I, I think that's what I did with this. It's like, if it had anything but a pistol grip, if it didn't look like he was just pulling a gun from his coat and aiming it at your face, it wouldn't have struck me. No, because it never struck me with the neuralizer in Men in Black that, oh, yeah, you can just fucking knock somebody's head off. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. No, it's, I, I think I think you raised a valid point. I, they may, might have been some other more eloquent, elegant way to handle that but i think they were just trying to quickly gather everybody together for the purposes of of saving time oh that's absolutely what it was and it was just a prop guy saying hey i put this together you can flash this in their face it was a very men in black kind of thing oh totally <laughs> absolutely so <laughs> but yeah it was it was just it, it's something that struck me it's oh man every time he just shows up i've done something heroic and now this guy puts something in my face with a pistol grip and i'm helpless yeah it's all right you're 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 kicking at the underpinnings of superhero shit. Stop it. Stop doing it. I want to like this shit. <laughs> and that's ultimately what it comes down to. I, I generally liked it. I think they got a lot of things to overcome with the fact they've got three or four really compelling characters and then the Adam and Hawk girl. Yeah. That they, they really need to build them up because, uh, yeah, the <laughs> Heat Wave and Captain Cold will take this show over. Yeah, and I'm okay with that, actually. <laughs> yeah, with Stein and White Canary right on their heels, and Brandon Routh, Ruth, <laughs> who's wanted nothing more than to be in a comic book property between Superman and Dylan Dog. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to see him left behind, because I really liked him on season one of the, of uh, no, uh, season, was it three of Arrow? Yeah. So. <laughs> he was underrated as Dylan Dog. That movie wasn't too bad. That was not terrible. <laughs> It's a, I know it was a French comic, so I had no familiarity. Italian, I think. It was a, it was not an American comic, so I had no familiarity with it. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was not bad. It was decent for, you know, a few beer Friday night yeah. for the price we paid for it off cable. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there, there's certainly a lot of flaws that you can pick apart in this. But again, if you look at it as sort of the, the overall whole, was I entertained for two hours? Yes, I was. Oh, absolutely. It's, did it the, make me angry and throw things at the TV? No, it did not. If the only reason to watch it for a while is Wentworth Miller and Dominic Purcell <laughs> just being badass and yeah. fucking people up. <laughs> I mean, that moment in the bar fight where Wentworth, where uh, uh, White uh, White Canary said, okay, I'm going to need some help. And Captain Cold is like holding two beers. He's you know sort of half... Okay, I'll help you. This will be fun. And uh, I'm wasting these beers. <laughs> like I'm throwing them to the ground. It's it, all right. That's enough to keep me going for half a season. Yeah. But yeah, I'd like to see more from. I think they got some work to do with Adam, and they got a lot of work to do with Hawk Girl. Yeah. And yeah, Jefferson needs to be given a legitimate reason to be there beyond I don't mind being abused and dragged around like a spaz. Well, that's just it, and that's the 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 firestorm sort of paradox. Separately. Stein and Jackson have no reason to be there. They're only there because they have to be together to be useful. Yeah, but 
that's not the case because Stein is proving himself useful, talking his way into the bomb sale. Except that he didn't need to do that because Miller had already bumped into somebody and stolen their pass. Yeah, but he was being challenged. He's like, really? Your name is whatever it was, uh, Ahmed Du Jihad? <laughs> He's like, no, my mom's Arab. <laughs> no, he was about to get shot. No, it, it took a white man. <laughs> That's a sad It took a white man to save another white man? That's a weird thing? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm not judging. <laughs> not judging. <laughs> they, took, they took an old white man in a black turtleneck to save Wentworth Miller. Old white dudes. Old white dudes. Feel we, the burn. Old white dudes. <laughs> Leaning on each other for, for more than two centuries. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, was, it was entertaining. Pieces of it were more entertaining than others. But, but there's enough groundwork there. They can do work with Adam. Yeah. And they can do work with Hawkgirl. And they can do work with Jefferson. I mean, poor Jefferson. I mean, Jesus. What's your character arc? Well, first I'm drugged unconscious. And then within two hours, I wake up and someone's dressed me in polyester. <laughs> You sure you're part of the team? <laughs> <laughs> Dressed me in polyester, and then they put me in the firestorm suit. <laughs> and then they nuked me. <laughs> he was wrong, and you knew it. <laughs> Hope the firestorm suit's not made out of polyester because that's flammable. <laughs> I think he's fine. <laughs> All right, so I mean, generally worth watching. Yeah, uh, so we certainly enjoyed it. It was not a. There, there was nothing there that was a deal breaker. Some yeah. stuff worked better than others. I, it's enjoyable. I don't think this. Uh, I don't think that people are going to look at this and go, "Oh nope, this is the death of superhero TV." They shouldn't have done this. <laughs> yeah, we've re- pe- reached peak superhero. No, no. Yeah, we we might be close depending on who you listen to. But well, this is supposed to be an anthology series. So in what I what they said originally in articles leading up to the release of this show, Berlanti and Company, is that. Uh, this season is sort of a one and done and self-contained. So if they do more Legends of Tomorrow, it'll focus on different characters going forward. Actually, yeah. It's a, if you think about it, anybody could be on this show. Yeah. yeah I if, could be on this show. If you take it, really? Can sure. you take me with you? Um, <laughs> yes. What's his superpower? I don't know, but he's powered by coffee beans. <laughs> Give him a couple. Have you heard of the great Cornholio? <laughs> What's your superpower, fat man? I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, at any moment I, at this point, I'm waiting for you to pull your shirt over your head and start screaming that you're Cornholio. Give it time, because I'm on my third beer, so not only am I wired, but I'm starting to have to pee. Oh, God. So, <laughs> it's Do gonna you need TP for your bunghole? I need TP. <laughs> Damn it, Beavis. <laughs> you're always fucking doing this. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, thinking about it. If they use it, if Rip Hunter, uh, yeah, Doctor Who, it Rip Hunter is the constant, as long as Arthur Darvill wants to be there, because there is no DC concept of regeneration. Yeah, uh, Lazarus Pit, but you come back looking the same. Yep. And yeah, all right. Let Let's go to the DC bench. All right, you guys are done. Uh, we'll keep the ones who are working, i.e., Captain Cold. <laughs> Everybody else, all right, you guys are done. Let's go with, uh, we'll get the Blackhawks and Black Orchid. And uh, what's, what's Pied Piper doing these days? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> doing nothing. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, there's some potential juice behind that idea. Just knowing that's a possibility. And frankly, that possibility is there right out of the gate. We've killed Hawkman. We need somebody else in that eighth chair. Yeah. To make this full Suicide Squad, <laughs> go deep into the DC bench. It's like, uh, all right, we we cast a shitty actor. Okay, kill him and bring somebody else in. That'd be cool. 
Yeah. I can watch that forever. Nobody's safe. <laughs> da, 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 da. All right. Want to move on to comics? Yeah. All right. Which one do you want to do first? Oh, why don't we talk Grayson since we're currently talking DC properties? Okay. So Grayson number 16, uh, written by Tim Seeley and Tom King, art by Mikkel Janin. It, it's the James Bond issue, man. It is. Spoilers. James is. Bond issue. What the fuck more do you need to know? It's a really awesome issue. <laughs> it's Yeah. Well, I mean, what were, were your impressions? Because it's, it, it's all James Bond. Well, it's... <laughs> I, I enjoy um, watching Dick Grayson uh, be goofy and slick and cool, and they just took this as an opportunity to to um, try him out in some different art styles. Uh, <laughs> they had this whole like psychedelic thing, um, just beyond the spiral thing. But uh, there, there's a whole spread where they're going from from place to place to place in here to kill off various agents of spiral. And one of them is clearly, if you weren't sure that this was a James Bond thing, they have a, a cutout of um, a woman. <laughs> yep. And it's, it's surrounded by action panels of, of um, Dick and Tony. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Those four or five pages were the James Bond credit sequence. Yeah. Up front. So it's, yeah, we'll show certain things in silhouette and that's where, uh, my, Mikkel Janin, and I've liked his art forever, and I don't know how to say it. What kind of parents would name their kid that? Ja we'll assume it's Janin. <laughs> um, he's, from what I've seen, does interesting page layouts with interesting panel borders. Yeah. So to, yeah, use the women silhouette as panel borders with psychedelic backgrounds. It really made it feel like a James Bond opening sequence to me, particularly with, with Dick <laughs> completely screwing up the you know, just coming up with his own lyrics for Goldfinger. Yeah, <laughs> everything sort of fits the the, the Shirley Bassey Goldfinger thirty seven. Yeah, <laughs> so it's I mean, that really worked for me. Yeah, and, and there's you know some great shots in here of like they're walking away in swim trunks from an explosion on the beach. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean the, the the concept of sex pot in swimsuit walking out of the ocean. Yeah, yeah. it's a couple of dudes instead of Ursula Andress. But uh, <laughs> all right, I'll count it. That but that's, fits. that's in that's in line with everything that happens with with Dick uh, canonically in in his stories. They out of all of the characters in the DC universe, um, he's the one that seems to get sexualized the most. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I don't know what the reason it's is. A, but... It's a running gag in his books at this point. <laughs> totally. And so that's why <laughs> putting him as James Bond is perfect. Um, and it's funny, you know, we were talking about Deadpool earlier. Uh, they, they actually have some dialogue in here that kind of calls back to some of the Deadpool trailers, which is funny because he's talking about driving with Tony and he's like, years I drove with Batman and I was never scared one week with you. And I wish I was still wearing yellow. Oh, that was awesome. That you was know, for the stains because my costume, <laughs> I rode shotgun with Batman, you know, <laughs> insane fucking nose, no fear Batman. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a great, great page. And it's, I mean, that's the weird thing. This issue was put so together to fit with James Bond right from the beginning. We've got, who's he, which agent is he fighting? Agent Seven. Yeah. Because you can't put a double O, but I mean, the, the guy, the Agent Seven shows up in a supercar. That's the one thing I had a problem with. Double O Seven would not drive a Ferrari. That's right. He yep. would drive an Aston Martin, or yes. if the deal was right for product placement, a BMW. Yep. But... <laughs> 
He shows up and walks into the bar, and he knows Miss Onoroff and Miss Peterbreaker. Frankly, I'm surprised that he didn't know Miss McGroin or Mrs. Fuckerfaster or any number of punchlines <laughs> I knew when I was in sixth grade. But uh, I don't know, Miss Sheepsbottom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was a little creepy. But, <laughs> but who knows? Bond could have been originally from Maine. Hard to tell. Maybe, maybe. But, but yeah, it's so we've got that going, and when that character goes up to the bartender, the and we've got a riff on. I bet you want something really specific. Clearly expecting the vodka martini shaken, not stirred. Although apparently he, that guy was making up names because after Dick kicks his ass, one of the girls goes up to him and says, "My name is Amelia Spellman, you ass, and I'm a neurologist." That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, of none of the. T- I don't care how good a super spy you are. You can't keep running a girl's name Goodhead. It's just, it's not going to happen. Law of probability says. <laughs> or, or more accurately, he boned her and forgot her name. So he's given names based on what they did. <laughs> oh, that's Goodhead. Uh, that's uh, on a top. <laughs> that's on a top. But it, everything in this is Bond. We've got uh, a Dick in a gimmick car with a parachute. Yeah, he's got a, the ski chase in the mountain in the car, yep. which is his classic spy who loved me, James Bond, yep. as you can get. Yeah, I mean, and look, there's lots of plot developments there of, you know, Helena bringing in the outside guns like Frankenstein and Grifter. Yep. Well, uh, this is coming to a head. The, the, the Seely and King are off the book very soon. Yeah, and I think this is probably the issue, the first issue where they realize, all right, we're, we're coming in for a landing, so if we're going to do it, and yeah. still have a coherent plot to wrap up in uh, issue 18. I think that's their last yes. issue. Because uh, 19 has uh, is the latest one solicited, and that's a different creative team. Yes. So it's probably, okay, We're now we're coming in for a close, so we have to do our James Bond thing. <laughs> if we're ever going to do it, now is the time. Right. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's like they finally said, all right, fuck it. We got Spiral. We got Super Spies. We got to do James Bond. And whether you've been reading this book or not, and you should be reading this book, this book has been consistently good. For a book coming out of... Uh, death of the Family. Uh, death of the Family and uh, Forever Evil. Yeah. Th- that I thought, oh, this is going to be a bust. Because I'm looking back at the original solicits and the original uh, DCU ads, the DCYOU. Yeah. You know, with the finally clever, all right, let's embrace it. Uh, you think you know Nightwing? You don't know Dick. It's like, oh, come on. You really? shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but that showed Dick Grayson as a super spy with a gun in his hand. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, you can't do that. That's betrayal to Batman. No, this book's been fucking great. Yeah, no, this book has been great. And if if it is coming in for a landing, it does speak to the idea that the rebirth event is going to be Batman oriented because if you're going to be bringing back um, Bruce into this iconic role, he's going to need to have Nightwing near him. I hadn't thought of that, but that makes a lot of sense. And as you had pointed out, speaking of Nightwing with the whole Titans hunt thing. Yep. um, (laughs) Yeah. No. There that, you know, Nightwing is going to have a significant role going forward, so he he can't be out playing super spy. Yeah, the the final page splash of Titans Hunt Four from last week was he put the Nightwing costume back on. Yeah, and Robin War is coming to an end very soon, and there was a whole conceit in there about how Dick Grayson's important to the Court of the Owls ends in relation to what they need to come out of Robin War. Yep. 
So he needs to be free of his little side gig over here. <laughs> Spiral needs to be put down, and we all need to move on with our lives. Yeah, it's this book has been strong enough and well-reviewed enough and read enough. It needs to have a satisfying conclusion. Yeah. But whether you've read it or not, if you want an entry point as to just how awesome this has been, because this book has had awesome moments. What was it, the the lenticular cover one? The, yeah. <laughs> the Future's End. Uh, yeah, my God, where it was... The story was told backwards. Uh, backwards, and once you figured it out, it was kind of cool what was going on. But because uh, then you could read it again and see how everything fit together. They've been doing, Tim Seeley has been doing such cool shit with this book. Yeah, the part of me wants to hope that my Jeff Johns theory is wrong. Give this to Tim Seeley for Christ's sake. <laughs> Give Batman to Tim Seeley. Sure, I, I would read that. That's my vote. I've okay. had th- three beers since the start of the show and. A lot of caffeine. Do you have any coffee beans? Because <laughs> Upstairs. I don't want to come down from this. This is pretty solid. I think you will want to come down. I think I might be dying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel it, Rob. Now I can get as loaded as I want, which is pretty damn loaded. Jesus. Anyway, it's a, uh, yeah, this was, uh, there, there were some fun books this week, and uh, there was one that one of the guys at the comic store, uh, recommended which i didn't get through all four issues with which almost made the list and hopefully there's a fifth issue I, i'm not sure if it's a mini series or not that may come back but uh just i'm not going to talk about it why am i diverting this is the most <laughs> this is the most fun of the week okay so i i agree this is a fun book shall we move on to what i thought was the most cynical and disturbing and the most uh yes. oh this is one in the face of what comics continuity should mean to people mm-hmm. uh <laughs> Old man Logan. <laughs> Jeff, Ramire, uh, Jeff Lemire yep. and um, Andrea Sorrentino. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, this is the introduction of the old man Logan character to the Earth Prime slash, I guess this is the 616, the but we don't want to call it. Yeah, all new, all different, all Marvel standards. Hits. We don't have a multiverse anymore. Uh, mainstream Marvel Universe. Yep. Uh, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what are your impressions before I start to go very specifically into why this felt very cynical to me and this, it, it this didn't feels like a really good way to reintroduce, um, Wolverine into the universe so that he can eventually run into somebody who can make him young again. Oh, please God. I hadn't thought that far ahead, but please don't let that be the case. This was at the line of barely acceptable because it was old man Logan. If they take that away, I'm going to have a serious fucking problem. I think he's going to kick around as old man Logan for a while, but I think as, as we get closer to <laughs> yeah, some other things that he's going to get youngened. <laughs> yeah. All right. Look, first of all, as much as I have mixed feelings that tend toward disdain about Mark Millar, I, I do have a soft spot for the original Old Man Logan story as it appeared in Wolverine yeah. seven, eight years ago at this point. That was, that was a solid story. Yeah. It's, look, it was Unforgiven with Wolverine as Clint Eastwood mm-hmm. and Hawkeye as a combination of the Schofield Kid, Ned and English Bob, and the Hulk as Gene Hackman, but it's it was fun. It yeah. was reasonably well put together. As an Elseworlds story, okay, it was interesting. Um. Bendis's miniseries version from Secret Wars, which had Logan going from continent to continent and barony to barony on yeah. Battleworld and interacting with different people on each, 
I get what Bendis was trying to do with it, you know, with the concept of, okay, we're going to introduce this character into the Marvel Universe proper. Let's show how he interacts with other characters. I get it, but I don't even think I finished it. I don't think I read the final issue of it. It worked a lot less for me, which is rare for a Bendis book. Yeah. Even to this day, you can say, oh, he writes too many goddamn books. Well, because once you start doing stuff like that, it automatically becomes cynical. Okay, they're doing this with the intent of shoehorning him into a place where he doesn't belong. Yes. And that's... (laughs) Arguably what's happening here, I, I think it's a lot more simple and, uh, well, it, the story-wise, it's a lot more simple and coherent. Yeah. We've got Logan. It, it's the Terminator, basically. Yeah, think about kind it. of. Logan comes from the future. He shows up naked in New York. <laughs> he realizes that, okay, the events that destroyed my timeline are over so or haven't happened yet. So I'm going to go and take out uh, all the people who are responsible. So, yeah, it's basically the Terminator, except yeah. with Wolverine. And uh, knowing that now that I've actually thought about it, I feel a little ickier about this whole thing. <laughs> it's Wolverine going to kill Sarah Connor, except they're supervillains, but we're supposed to feel okay with that. Well, they're not all supervillains, though, because the next one on his list is uh, Bruce Banner. Is Bruce Banner, right. But So in this in this uh, issue, he takes out somebody, what's his name called? It's like some minor D-list person. It's not even D-list. I looked it up. They're brand new to this one. Uh, okay. Black the Butcher? Black Butcher. Yes. Um, so <laughs> the the problem I had with this is... This clearly felt to me like, uh, yeah, here's a way to shoehorn not only Wolverine back into the Marvel Universe, but Wolverine from about 1983. Well, and also, though, how does this fit in with, because on the other book, um, what the hell book is it? He's running around with Jean Grey as old man Logan. (laughs) Oh, I think that was... uh all new, all different X-Men, or it was one of the X-Men ones. Yeah, so my my question with these sorts of things always becomes, how are these things fitting together? Is he slipping away from his X-Men duties to I, I'm less do con- this? <laughs> I'm less concerned about that, because you're a bigger X-Men fan than I am. The X-Men books that we get are on your pull list. I, yeah. I read them as I have time, but I'm, I'm just not a big X-Men fan. So I had not read that. I, I'd heard that he was part of it. But so I took this just as an individual on its own merits story. And what I took from it, regardless of where Old Man Logan fits into Earth Prime yeah. continuity, it's he's characterized very much like Wolverine from 1983, the berserker Wolverine, yep. who's the best he is at what he does. Um, he goes after this black butcher character and flat out fucking murders him before he even does anything. He does it based on a memory of the future. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, we, we see this character be a cock to Wolverine and the flashback to the future, which makes my fucking head hurt. I need some coffee <laughs> beans. But so yeah, he literally kills him before he does anything. We have no present context with this character to see why he deserves to die right now. Now, Lemire throws in this reference to, oh, I did an armed robbery and maybe I hurt some people who didn't do what I said. But yeah, it's it's still basically just Wolverine saying, fuck it, uh, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. yeah. It's it's very much Wolverine from the 80s when he was a berserker. And it's a characterization rooted in the 80s and not rooted in current 
relatively modern continuity. Continuity is a weird word to say after Secret Wars, but it it still matters. Let's remember, 18 months ago, Wolverine was the headmaster of a children's school. Yeah. So, and the thing with Wolverine is because he was so popular, Marvel spent decades with him. And yes, this is the kind of characterization that he had in the mid-80s. I'm a berserker, but particularly that was in the Chris Claremont early X-Men. By the time we got to the miniseries that Frank Miller did the art on, we introduced the idea of he's a fallen samurai, he's a ronin, he's trying to be better. And we spent years with him trying to move on that path to get from the point of, yeah, fuck it, I'll just kill you if you get in my way. Fuck you, bub, it's my turn. And that classic panel from John Byrne to a a guy who (laughs) would be the headmaster of a children's school. And a lot of that was because of the relationship that he had that was one-sided where he he wanted to be with gene and and he wanted to be a better person because of gene oh absolutely that was definitely a motivating factor but that to me the the character arc that wolverine had from about 1981 until his death a year or so ago that's the strength of comics continuity it's a character that is consistent for years and you can build that character over years yeah you can get a guy who is a drunk, barely controlled berserker in the Chris Claremont Frank Miller miniseries from 83, 84 to I have to teach children how to use their power and I'm willing to sacrifice my own life as happened in – we were not the biggest fans of Charles Sewell's Death of Wolverine miniseries right. because it felt like, okay, we got to kill this guy uh, before we get into Secret Wars – but it's it was a self-sacrificing, I'm willing to die so nobody else has to go through what I went through. Right. That's where continuity is cool. You can have 18 years of character development, and then we've got Secret Wars, and now Marvel's saying, great, now we got an excuse to pull a trigger, and at least they're saying we'll get a different version of the character. Right. Who's still in Arrested Development from 1983, but at least it's not that guy who died. It's this guy from this other world, right. but he's exactly the same as he was back when he was the most popular and everybody loves him. Right. And the fingerprints of that's what they're trying to do is all over this. There's a splash page in here that's a silhouette of Wolverine (laughs) jumping off the ledge, uh, and it's a blue background with a lightning strike, and it's a silhouette that looks a lot like the cover to Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns number one. Right. Um, But what it also calls to mind to me was Miller's sequence of Wolverine chasing Yukio across the rooftops. Uh, in that same Wolverine miniseries. Yeah. You know, we've got the explicit version of there's the best there is, I'm the best there is at what I do yep. that came from that miniseries. And the way Wolverine actually kills Black Butcher with his hand under his chin. Yep. It's almost exactly like Wolverine killed Shingen at the yep. end of the Wolverine miniseries. Yep. A lot of this seems to, if not a, an homage, um, clearly aping. <laughs> I, I don't think it's aping. I think it's absolutely on purpose. We've got all these visual and textual cues that what we have here is Wolverine from 1984, which makes sense. I get it. I don't agree with it, but I get it. Well, it also makes me wonder. They're saying that the last Wolverine movie is going to be Old Man Logan. Well, and to use that to keep it in the forefront would be utterly hypocritical if you believe all the Ike Perlmutter rumors about, I want no Fantastic Four because Fox has Fantastic Four. Fox has X-Men too. Yes. Yeah. So whether that's a factor or not, I don't know. 
But what we have are all these cues. It's like, look, kids, we've got the Wolverine from the classic stories that you always liked. And I get it. Marvel did the same fucking thing with Spider-Man, not 10 years mm-hmm. ago with Brand New Day. It's like, nope, we want to bring him back to this when it was fun to write stories about him. And But the continuity that gave this character so much development over years, you're kind of chucking away. And that's that's a buy. Like I said, at least they have the decency to not just say, oh, because of Secret Wars, we can just bring Wolverine back. But it's the same Wolverine who died. Right. But now all that character development goes away. At least they have the decency to say, no, it's this different Wolverine who just happens to be character-wise exactly the same as the easy one to write who cut people up. Well, and also at this point, it becomes you know, just the ticking clock of how long does this character get to continue to be in this new continuity before it reverts to like the younger one or will there be a young an excuse to bring a younger one in who interacts with him i guarantee it all depends on how well tom taylor's all new wolverine (laughs) continues to do yeah because it's like all right how long is female thor going to be running around in the universe how long are we going to have two spider-men running around in this universe yeah we already are bringing back steve rogers as captain america sam wilson's going to continue but now uh, Rogers has his powers back in his youth. Like, yeah. it's uh, Look, with that kind of thing, different versions of the characters, eventually everything always reverts back. Right. So I'm just saying it, it feels like, oh, this is an interesting idea, except that I didn't already, except that I already feel like, all right, how long is this going to be kicking around? Why should I be invested in this? It's, yeah. It, <laughs> whether they bring back, whether they say, okay, we're going to de-age you or we'll bring back the other version of Logan, it's... To me, the bigger bigger thing is more, great, we're going to take this opportunity to pretend that the character development from when Wolverine was at his coolest never happened. Yeah. And it just, it feels kind of cynical to me. Mm-hmm. It feels very cynical to me. And, and I think you're right to feel that way. So. Yeah, I mean, well executed. Yeah, sure. If if 1984, uh, Frank Miller, Cl- Chris Claremont, Wolverine is your favorite version of Wolverine, good news, everyone. No, this is technically well executed. It, it feels a little soulless. Yeah, it's uh, the art is beautiful. You know, as a riff on that cover of Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, it's excellent. Mm-hmm. Everything looks great. It is a well executed way to bring back a version of the character that I had grown past. Yeah. So. All right. Anything else, or should we wrap it up? No, I think that covers everything. All right. So, don't know where you found this uh, episode, but as usual, you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We are on Facebook, and I have been trying to do more with Facebook this week. Um, But whether you follow us or want to send us a message, you can always reach us at facebook.com slash crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. Uh, we are on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Infinite Midlife. Yep. We are on Tumblr, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. You can find us on iTunes, and if that is your preferred way <laughs> to obtain your podcast media, do us a favor, give us a review, uh, give us a rating, and helps new people find the show. We are on TuneIn Radio. As of yesterday, you can find us on Stitcher.com. <laughs> uh, there is a link to how to find us there uh, on our homepage. I put that up today. We are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. Uh, and you can always email us at crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. I leave anything out? No, you got everything. All right, then. I guess that is it. This has been episode 101 of the
Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. My name is Hiro Nakamura. I'm from the future and I have a message for you. I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> he had to come back all the way from the future to tell you that. I did. Oh boy.